Welcome to the Zen Ways podcast with our teacher Daizan. I want to read you some of the um, a, a sutra, a teaching that the Buddha gave, um, and then we'll talk a little bit about some background. Once, the Blessed One was staying among the baggers in the deer park at Besakala Grove near Crocodile Haunt. Then, early in the morning, the Blessed One put on his robes and carrying his bowl and outer robe went to the home of the householder Nakula Pita. On arrival, he sat down on a seat made ready. Then Nakula Pita and his wife Nakula Mata went to the Blessed One and on arrival, having bowed down to him, sat down to one side. As they were sitting there, Nakula Pita said to the Blessed One, Lord, ever since Nakula Mata, as a young girl, was brought to me to be my wife, when I was just a young boy, I'm not conscious of being unfaithful to her, even in mind, much less in body. We want to see each other not only in the present life, but also in the life to come. And Nakula Mata said to the Blessed One, Lord, ever since, as a young girl, I was brought to Nakula Pita to be his wife, when he was just a young boy, I'm not conscious of being unfaithful to him, even in mind, much less in body. We want to see each other, not only in the present life, but also in the life to come. The Blessed One said, if both husband and wife want to see one another, not only in the present life, but also in the life to come, they should be in tune with each other, in conviction, in tune, excuse me, they should be in tune with each other in conviction, in tune in virtue, in tune (coughs) in generosity, and in tune in discernment. Then they will see one another, not only in the present life, but also in the life to come. Husband and wife, both of them having conviction, being responsive, being restrained, living by the Dharma, addressing each other with loving words. They benefit in manifold ways. To them comes bliss. Their enemies are dejected when both are in tune in virtue. Having followed the Dharma here in this world, both in tune in precepts and practices, they delight in the world of happiness, enjoying the pleasures they desire. So it's just a a short sutra. So the (coughs) Buddha goes to visit this husband and wife, Nakula Mata and Nakula Pita. And in the early Buddhist sutras, the early Buddhist teachings, certain people are picked out as exemplars, if you like. And Nakula Pita and Nakula Mata are very much the exemplars of a long and happy marriage together in which the two of them practice. We have other uh, accounts in the sutras of these two, including when Nakula Pita is on his deathbed and Nakula Mata actually teaches him and guides him and comforts him so that he's able to die in a very peaceful, 
very calm, very beautiful state. So they invite the Buddha to come to teach them. And they both individually tell him how devoted each of them is to the other and announce that they want to be together not only now but also in the future and implied in this is the question of how how that can be now sometimes people think of in Buddhism very much in terms of the, uh, the almost archetypal life of the Buddha himself, this solitary seeker going off into the forest, <coughs> finding the truth by himself, and then coming back to the world to share it with others. And individually, we have this journey to travel. Each person is on a, a very much an individual quest. But also the Buddha again and again stresses the social aspect of our life. We are not solitary or uh, isolated creatures, nor are we particularly designed to be. Even the solitary deep work of bringing about unity, bringing about harmony in one's own body and mind, in our East Asian-derived tradition is very much viewed in terms of, or one, uh, if you like, window on it, is viewed in terms of bringing about harmony within the community that is your body and mind. The different organs, the different elements within your body and mind have different needs, different, if you like, uh, impulses. And through our deep and compassionate work of coming to know ourselves through and through, we can bring about harmony within this, if you like, inner community. And in doing that, we achieve not only um, health and harmony in the present, but through this harmony, we can experience a, a great deepening of insight into how things really are. Now, this inner work of, if you like, socialization goes on very much on the outer stage as well. Now we have this, this ideal of the 
individual seeker, the Buddha, finding the truth and bringing it back. But in practice, most people, when they want to walk this journey, um, spend greater or lesser amounts of time in some kind of monastery or community setting in which the life is intensely social. There's no privacy at all, really. And a lot of the letting go that goes on is occurs within the framework of the social matrix of the situation. Now, those of us who don't have uh, that kind of root as an option, we have our own families, our own relationships. And from the word go, the Buddha was very keen to emphasize that this way was open to male and female monastics, male and female lay people. And these days in Japan, for example, our immediate route, people might go and practice in a monastery for some years, but then most often they'll leave, they'll get married, they'll, they'll very much enter the world in a social context. They'll, you know, they'll, they'll have children and um, fulfill all of those kind of familial roles. So this particular teaching the Buddha gives is for people who choose to walk this path of long-term committed relationship. Nakula Pita and Nakula Mata both mention how you know, their long marriage has been characterized by faithfulness. They both say they're not conscious of being unfaithful either in mind, much less in body. So there's a quality of uh, exclusivity and commitment within this relationship, which wasn't necessarily the norm within India at the time. There may well have been uh, more than one wife, for example, in many situations. But this is a pair-bonded, long-term married couple. So the Buddha teaches them, if both husband and wife want to see one another, want to be together, not only in the present but also in the future, they should be in tune with each other. And being in tune with each other comes under certain heads. In tune with each other in conviction. In tune with each other in virtue. In tune with each other in generosity. And in tune with each other in discernment. So what does it mean to be in tune with each other in conviction? I think it essentially points towards an intention to walk the same road, the same road, to have the same 
orientation, if you like, within life, the same belief system. To be in tune in virtue. So, I think what's called upon here is the same or a harmonious sense of morality. What seems true to the two partners to have a, a fundamental compatibility. In tune in generosity. Buddha often speaks of generosity as being very, very important. If one partner is generous at a certain level and another at a very different level, then there's a problem there. There's a mismatch, a misharmony. And in tune, in discernment, They are in tune in terms of seeing what they see in the same way. The developing, opening, spiritual clarification that happens. Now, we all know that in practice, this is a, you know, is a is a beautiful ideal, and in practice, things don't always look like this. So nature has wired us up to, on a sort of a hormonal level, to bond males and females together for long enough, really that the next generation can get a good foothold on life, perhaps five, six, seven years. And then, very often, the, that sort of um, hormonal cocktail starts to dry up. So the relationship has to either shift onto another basis or will start to wither, start to die away, and perhaps even another relationship will start up and you know with one or both of the partners moving on and and the uh, the whole cycle repeats itself and from the point of view of nature and genetics and so on one can see the uh, the advantage there to to as it were mixing the gene pool and so on but nakula Pita and Nakula Mata are not playing that game. They are exploring a very essentially lifelong, committed, exclusive partnership. So in order for that to be viable, they will have had to have deeply explored how this 
harmonization, how this tuning can happen when they don't have that hormonal cocktail helping things along. How do you maintain this being in tune? How do you deepen this being in tune? I think several things are very important here. I think one of them is that to recognize that we're moving, when we explore this, we're moving into, to some degree, uncharted waters. Within our society, we have so many stories of the prince seeking out the princess, the Cinderella, the, the partner, whatever, and the whole thing, as it were, the story ending at the wedding. And then they lived happily ever after. So many of Shakespeare's comedies end with a, a beautiful wedding dance. We don't have many stories within our culture about how this long-term road that Nakula, Peter and Nakula Mata walked, how this can be. So just in the same way that the solitary exploring that we each do to find our own truth is something of an adventure, something of a stepping into the unknown, so also is this path of partnership, a stepping into the unknown. Another aspect that's important, I think, is that this being in tune, this harmonization, is a practice, a discipline. There are inevitably in life certain people that we are more naturally in tune with, other people less so. But I think you can guarantee that if you spend long enough close enough with anyone at all. There are going to be times when on the feeling level there's a sense of being profoundly out of tune with them. Both partners in this situation are going through a process of change because they're alive. And so inevitably they're going to change at different rates. So this being in tune is, I think, much more a matter of intention, a matter of practice. You could even say a matter of discipline than it is a matter of any particular feeling.
So when we, in any long-term relationship, but particularly in a partnership, when we feel very out of tune with our partner, what can we do? How is this discipline practiced? Well, we have the great advantage that we hopefully have the track record, the experience of knowing how to work when we feel profoundly out of tune with ourselves. We work with presence, with a sense of non-judgmentalism, with a sense of being willing to recognize how things are. When we can do this internally, then we can do this externally. We can turn this outward toward our path. not easy. At times, perhaps considerable times, it may be painful, it may be very, very challenging. But when we embark on this discipline, the third aspect can come into focus. We can start to see our partner as a teacher. Someone who makes us face aspects of ourselves that perhaps otherwise would be avoided. we're willing to receive this teaching, this pointing out humbly and with gratitude, then our partner will help us to deeper and deeper levels of letting go, deeper and deeper levels of release. Inevitably, without any particular intention or effort on our part, we do the same for our partner. Now, the Buddha makes the point that this process, this being in tune, this living by the Dharma, should be accompanied with addressing each other with loving words. 
the path here is very much a path of communication, deeper and deeper communication. And if we can continue to communicate, continue to be present, continue to be engaged in this process, in the times when it can be very painful, as well as in the times when it can be very beautiful. The Buddha says, to those partners comes bliss, their en enemies are dejected. They delight in the world of happiness, enjoying the pleasures they desire. So for those who choose the path of marriage. The Buddha offers a challenging, but I think authentic and beautiful spiritual path. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting our work with donation. Visit zenways.org for more information. You'll also find free guided Zen meditation recordings in the main languages of the world on the Zen Ways Guided Meditation Podcast. Search iTunes to find it.